The real question to ask yourself, if you're anxious, preoccupied, or disorganized is, am I genuinely receiving love from all the different sources that are available? Or am I taking them for granted and kind of pushing them away because they're not coming from the source that I want it from? You're listening to The Boundless Heart, where you learn to set boundaries, claim your worth, and create amazing relationships. Starting, of course, with the most important one, and that is the one with you. You're in for a treat today because our attachment style expert is back, licensed clinical social worker and therapist, Juniper Wong. She is going to talk about how we can go from whatever sort of insecure attachment tendencies we have to secure healthy relationships where both of you expand each other rather than how it feels like you're just in this non-stop and ever eternal endless game of tug of war. <laughs> I'm sure you've been there or if you haven't, <laughs> wow. I have learned from her that I have tendencies of anxious attachment style and it's been incredibly ridiculous how awesome it has been to recognize those patterns, to understand where they came from and to shift them. So let's get on with this really enlightening show. I started by asking Juniper to give us a brief review of the four different attachment styles, which you can hear about in a lot more depth than episode 14 called The Four Attachment Styles with Juniper Wong. Let's go. So there is secure, that's kind of the holy grail, um, able to give and receive love in general. Of course, they experience fear and worry, but they have a pretty healthy relationship with it. They're able to be less emotionally reactive, kind of step back and process and express their emotions in ways that ensure usually longer lasting, more stable relationships. Then there's the anxious preoccupied type. That one in general in childhood either experienced a caregiver who was pretty inconsistent in their affections towards the child or might have used the child to like meet their own needs. And anxious preoccupied as adults tend to put partners on a pedestal really long to be given to, but their anxiety often actually doesn't allow them to receive. And they often end up, quote unquote, being the chaser in a relational dynamic, especially if they're with an avoided type, or I guess if they're with a disorganized type too. But they do love, they love giving. They love giving affection. They love being verbally and physically and close and together. The avoided dismissive in childhood generally was given the message that it's not okay to show vulnerability through emotions, through words, through really any expression of need. It was kind of associated with weakness. And so they grew up really learning, I need to be um, self-sufficient. They got really good at putting their emotions on the back burner so that they could function and become independent and not need anybody. And ultimately, they kind of associate vulnerability as an adult with danger, with potential for shame, criticism, and opening themselves up to be wounded, which is very unattractive to them. Just like, why would I do that? Pointless. <laughs> And then last but not least, we have a disorganized type, which in childhood received a lot of mixed signals. Most often uh, those who are disorganized, it can develop in adulthood later on, especially if there's a lot of tumultuous relationships. But in childhood, it develops mostly when the caregiver is both a source of love, but also of fear. 
the same person who provides you with safety and comfort is also the person that you might be terrified of that might be abusive in some sort of way. So generally you see intergenerational trauma in this attachment style where there's a caregiver with unresolved trauma and then their child triggers that trauma in them. And then those reactions traumatize a child and on and on. Disorganized attachers in general both want and are afraid of intimacy. It's very much the I love you, don't come near me dynamic. I love you, I hate you. They're more unpredictable in what they need and they can be clingy and needy and affectionate one minute and then the next minute really know how to like shut everything down and just like, I don't want this. I'm going to end this before I have to deal with feeling this anymore and walk away. So uh, yeah, that's a quick, quick overview. I really actually appreciated how when you were talking about the secure type that we still might experience the fears, but in a secure type, we know more how to deal with them in a healthy way. That gives me a lot of hope because I see... And I think you mentioned this, actually, I know you did in the previous episode we did, was that you kind of noticed some, maybe some anxious preoccupied in me. Uh And I definitely have been a chaser before. Mm. Same. So frustrating. (laughs) It's so frustrating, especially women. There is literally no reason a woman should chase Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. We're women. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I would say in like, especially a quote unquote, like a disclaimer qualifier would be like in a heteronormative context right for sure but I definitely have been learning a lot about like feminine energy recently and the power behind feminine energy and so much of feminine energy is you know healthy feminine energy is not anxious preoccupied attachment. <laughs> it's also not avoided dismissive attachment either it's just secure yeah it's very it's like I yeah. know the things that I want, the love that I deserve, the love that I desire is coming to me. It's already here, actually. There's no lack. It's not f- coming from a feeling of lack. It's coming from a feeling of enoughness. I already have it. So more of it comes to me. Yeah. Weird way of the universe. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. if I, what it does, it, it attracts to you then, and you still get to stay in your power and in your truth and in your confidence, which we're taught out of, mm-hmm. to say, oh, yeah, okay, that's close, but that's not it. I'm mm-hmm. a queen. Where's my king? And I'm going to mm-hmm. wait for my king. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just whatever, mm-hmm. kind of an analogy. But I love that. Yes. Yeah. And that definitely is how I healed and thought through some things, too, or some aspect of it. But going back to, okay, yeah. so I did just want to give like a foundational concept or theory behind like healing this or what to do about, you know, insecure attachment. If you recognize you're one of the three types of insecure attachment, what you should do. And the fundamental direction of healing for all three insecure types is transforming your relationship with fear and anxiety. And specifically with attachment theory, we would say with romantic relationships. But if you're running a business or even with friendships or family of origin, you're going to see these things come out also and get triggered. So if you look at the avoidant dismissive type, it seems obvious like, oh, they're afraid of intimacy. But the deeper fear underlying that is a deep fear of abandonment. If you look on the flip side, the anxious preoccupied type on the surface, it looks like, oh, they're afraid of abandonment. But deep down underneath that, actually, the anxious preoccupied is afraid of intimacy. (laughs) So you can see why those two are always attracted to each other. 
And then the disorganized type is afraid of all of those. <laughs> they're afraid of abandonment. They're afraid of intimacy. But ultimately for the disorganized type, they're not used to calm and stillness or even I would say boredom. So the stability, the consistency of a quote unquote normal relationship, which if you're with somebody long enough, it does get boring. It definitely gets boring. That causes like agitation in them. There is a need for some sort of friction. <laughs> or conflict. Arguments, <laughs> debates. What? Yeah. But it's not a conscious <laughs> choice. They just know they feel really uncomfortable, which creates anxiety. So the conflict or the friction or the fights, whatever, it comes out of this place of wanting to not feel that anxiety. So ultimately, all three types don't want to feel anxiety. And so they resort to these behaviors, whether it's chasing or avoiding and shutting down and dismissing feelings or picking fights. They do all these things. But ultimately, all of their goals is how do I not experience anxiety? How do I not have to feel that or deal with it or sit with it or love myself through it? And then it, you know, creates like chaos with their partners. Yeah, I have to say that makes perfect sense. And mm -hmm. you can't blame anyone for not wanting to feel anxiety. Anxiety is not a fun experience. Mm -hmm. to be in <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> so it's now not. now we all have a little more compassion for everyone in our lives including hopefully ourselves <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's really it's not it's not fun at all and it's a part of us that is so desperate for our own attention it's a part of us that is so calling for like hey you've never talked to me in a nice way like ever <laughs> <laughs> and then every time I pop up, you like keep going to these other people. And I really, the, the more I've healed, the more I've like come to understand my own attachment, the more I'm realizing anxiety is a deeply neglected part of myself that really just wants me to listen and to give myself my own attention instead of abandoning myself in pursuit of all these other people asking them for solutions that they they just don't they don't have them and yes i do think a lot can be healed through a relationship and at the end of the day too like even if you have like the best partner in the world the most secure partner in the world if you don't develop and get to know and really get to be intimate in a way with your own anxiety and deeper what it really wants us to hear then the partner and all the goodness and the love that they give us will never be enough because the anxiety is not asking for our partner's attention. It's really asking for our own. Oh, that's awesome. What you just said. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. Where I, I literally, was it yesterday? <laughs> literally that I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, I think I'm attracted to unavailable guys because I'm not sure I actually want a relationship. And the reason for that is I've lost myself so much in relationships that I don't want to do it again. I'm afraid to mm -hmm. do that again. Mm -hmm. I just really love to be alone because then I know that I don't have to deal with other people's shit. Yeah. So, and that's valid. And here's what I'll say too, is like, let's just say like monogamy is like the norm we're going with right now. There's nothing that you get or no choice that you get in life. I really believe without price that you have to pay. And so like, I would say like my marriage is secure, but even then I have to deal with somebody else's stuff. You know, I'm showing him parts of myself that he never saw before. 
So he doesn't fully know how to deal with and vice versa. And that's the thing, though, I've realized more and more and more. And I won't say it's always this like clean, neat, sparkly, like perfect experience tied in a bow. It gets messy. There's fights. There's like nice where it's like, okay, we just like need to stop talking because this is going nowhere kind of thing. But what I will say is my relationship with myself matters so much, even in a secure relationship with my husband, because I really trust down to my bone, his desire to meet my needs, but he really doesn't always know how. So starts with me knowing how I need to get my own needs met and how I meet my own needs. And if I don't know that, I don't know how to tell. I just get mad. I just feel frustrated. I just feel angry. I feel resentful, but it's not fair to him because there's a very childlike part of us, especially if we experience trauma as a child or neglect or abuse or anything like that. There's a part of us that all wants to go back to the irresponsibility of infancy, right? Of I cry and I shit and then people meet my needs. <laughs> I don't need to figure out how to say them. I don't need to figure out how to talk about them. It just like happens somehow. And cool. You know, we all, that's like our fantasy, right? Like, like <laughs> sometimes, I'm, yeah, lots of times I'm like, oh, I don't want to be an adult. I just want to like lie around and have somebody, like people do things for me. But the unfortunate reality of is like, once we're in an adult relationship, I take it as like, I'm accountable for how my husband loves me. And it's also through how I learned to love myself. And I can only teach him what I've already practiced and what I can count on him for is for the desire and the willingness to learn. I can't expect him to just know. It's not fair to him. And he can't expect you to just know either. No. Mm -mm. And I think we get, <laughs> we get this programming of <laughs> like, yes. we should be able to read each other's minds or why can't he just like know what I want? What the yeah. hell? It's like, well, have you spoken it? Well, yeah. I'm not supposed to speak. I'm a woman. I have to be quiet. I mm -hmm. am not supposed to assert my needs. Mm -hmm. And then all this resentment builds. No wonder we're all screwed up. But in what you're saying, you made a super, super important point about your relationship with yourself has to always be first. It has to mm -hmm. always be first. You're never, ever going to attract that quote unquote equal partner when you are not in your fullest expression of who you are and your power. Mm -hmm. Yes. And your joy, yes. especially, I mean, for everybody. Yeah. But speaking to women specifically, look at nature. There mm -hmm. is not a female species that chases after a male. Mm. What are we doing? There's no reason <laughs> for you to chase after a dude. If he doesn't see you as you do, he is not worth it. Mm -hmm. And it's not worth it to try to change him or make mm -hmm. him see you. Yes. Okay. Huge for I'll speak mostly to probably I would say this is anxious and more disorganized. And then if you have questions about avoidance, who would listen to this podcast, let me know. But I'll speak to anxious and disorganized types first is one thing that like both of them can tend to do is idealize a new or potential romantic partner. I've done that. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> and also operate from a feeling of lack, like, oh, Oh no, like what if this goes away? You know, yeah. oh, they, you know, they're nice to me today or they paid me a lot of attention. And then following the like bliss is a very quick hit of anxiety and fear. But <gasps> what if this, what if this is lost? Right. Mm -hmm. And the solution to all of this really is love. What do I mean by that? So, what disorganized and anxious types tend to do is they kind of like fixate way too much on the partner as the source of the love. 
So it's mm. like, I only receive love through this source. And if I received it in the way that like I wanted today, then things are okay. But if I didn't receive it from them the way that I wanted today, then like, you know, everything's falling apart. The world is shit or I don't want them anymore. I do want them more or whatever. <laughs> so like all these things come out and I'm trying to think of a good analogy. I guess the analogy would be like trying to get all of our nutrients through just like chocolate. And it's like, okay, cool. I mean, it has like some, but like eventually you're probably gonna get like, I don't know, constipated. It's not gonna be great. It's not gonna be good for us. We need some other stuff. Same thing with our partners when we're anxious or disorganized types. What they mean by like preoccupied types and disorganized actually being afraid of intimacy is you'll notice when something good happens to them, a block comes up automatically too of, Ooh, this feels good. <clears throat> what if it doesn't last? Ooh, this feels good. Like, did they really mean it? Oh, you know, and so they're actually never fully allowing themselves to receive, to really receive in the moment and be present to the goodness that's happening. And then they also fixate on just that person, though. They're like afraid of receiving it, but they're also afraid of not continuing to have it stream towards them. But one of the most liberating things is realizing love is just energy. That's it. So like, the person that it's coming through is one vessel and it's a very powerful vessel. It's like creates this incredible connection and aliveness in us, but we can receive love from so many sources. And the real question to ask yourself, if you're anxious, preoccupied, or disorganized is, am I genuinely receiving love from all the different sources that are available? Or am I taking them for granted and kind of pushing them away because they're not coming from the source that I want it from? So like, if it's coming from a friend or your freaking cat or like the sunlight or the way the, you know, starlight like hits the water at night or the way you hear a certain song that something stirs in you or the way some random person gave you something for free. Like we don't receive those and allow them to hit us the same way we do some like compliment in a text or something like that. We don't allow it to hit us. But so much of the healing comes from allowing love to love us in the way it chooses to today. And if it's going to show up in this person, cool. If it doesn't show up in this person, cool. Because it's always coming at me. It's always coming at me. And if it doesn't consistently show up in this person's form, then I have a choice. Like I have a choice to continue to pursue that or I have a choice to find love channeling through somebody where it's a clearer channel. And that person might not be a clear channel for whatever reason right now. Have nothing to do with me. It's just, am I allowing actually it to come in? But first, we have to make sure we're a freaking clear channel. Are we receiving? Because so often we're really honest with ourselves. We're not. We're not receiving. That is so, so true. I've been learning to receive. And I have wonderful people around me mm -hmm. who are helping me with that. Good. In ways. One thing that came up for me as you were talking about receiving love from everything is that if you're able to have a sense of awe and wonder in your life, that feels like love. It feels like you are being loved from whatever it is. I talk about this living in Hawaii. I go on walks and I smell all the tropical flowers because they smell like bliss. How much love is in that scent? How much love is in that flower mm -hmm. and you can have that it's there for you mm -hmm. seeing the sunset do those things but then start to take pleasure meaning find that wonder in the food you're eating mm -hmm. 
then you start to realize that this feeling actually comes from you. The feeling that you feel, this love, yeah, it might be channeling through different things, but the actual feeling comes from you, not anyone else. Yeah. I love what you said so much, how now we're at choice. Mm -hmm. And also I resonate and relate so much. A lot of my life it was, first of all, idealizing, <laughs> mm-hmm. idealizing crushes even. Gosh, my mm-hmm. friends know. <laughs> from, yeah, from years back, they know. <laughs> and This is so fun. It is. I love you. I you know what? I love you. It is fun. It is so mm-hmm. fun. It feels good. It's like exciting. But then it's mm-hmm. also, it creates anxiety. And when you're anxious, yes. preoccupied, I'm going to say, because I see myself in this, it also creates anxiety because you don't know, you're afraid to speak, you're making up stories. Mm-hmm. I would say that's another tip. Mm. Yes. Stop making up stories about yes. what you're experiencing and just let the thing that's happening be present. Mm-hmm. If you're attracted to somebody, attraction is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily even attracted. Attraction is simply happening. And then you can mm-hmm. kind of separate yourself from that. Get love from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if it wants to come through that person, great. If not, hmm, you're not losing anything. Mm-mm. You're really not. You're really not. But you are losing like a exciting drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. I don't know. You make an excellent point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. we crave that exciting drama. And there's nothing wrong with that. I totally agree. Honestly. Have the drama. When you're ready not to have it, find more awe and wonder in things. Mm-hmm. And it, there can be sexuality in that too. I think this mm-hmm. one intimacy coach I heard, I think she said something along the lines of like, I let suddenly like penetrate my pussy. And I was like, that is such a good practice, I think, yeah. because I think a lot of it is wanting to explore sexuality and express those parts of ourselves and feel like a sexual being and how that makes us light up like a freaking Christmas tree when we get to like engage with that part of ourselves. And it can feel very like, you know, for most people who I know who have friendships, that's not really what's happening in their friendships. And so there is that desire for sexuality. Also, like, how can I allow this love not just to touch my heart, but also like my pussy or my whatever. So like, how can I allow it to touch the parts of me that awaken sexuality? And sexuality is found in like creativity, openness, excitement, flirtation. And what is flirtation? I I read this other thing once where they were talking about how like dogs and babies are the best flirt. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it's a sexual thing necessarily. It's just that like they look at you and they make people feel so special when you see them and if they choose to smile at you or come to you or whatever, we have that power also to give to other people whenever we want to. And there's something beautiful about that, that we can make somebody feel that good and that alive, that lit up. And so I think like, it's also questions of how do I continue to engage with my sexuality in a way that feels authentic and aligned to my values and who I am, even if I'm like, waiting for a partner or waiting for some like some sort of commitment or a relationship and because I think keeping that part of us alive and fun is really important I do too yeah and it is such a part of pleasure it's not Mm -hmm. the only and it's not even for me I don't even like to start there with women Mm -hmm. because it's such a shamed 
thing. And mm -hmm. honestly, women oftentimes don't even know what things they like to eat, what places they like to go, mm -hmm. what activities they like to partake in. They don't know. So asking them to self-pleasure mm -hmm. when they don't even know what kind of pizza they like, it's a little bit of a broad jump. However, as you take pleasure in these smaller things, you can start to touch yourself in different ways, mm -hmm. in different parts of your body, mm -hmm. and feel, does this feel good or not? Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here touching my like upper chest. <laughs> like, cause yeah, it feels really good. Yes. And yeah, flirting. Oh man, that is such a superpower, isn't it? Yes. You can literally yes. make, I mean, you have so much power as a woman. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is flirt. Yes. And you can get so much. But the thing is, you feel good. And so does whoever you're flirting with. They mm -hmm. feel good too. So mm -hmm. everyone is elevated yes. in that. And it doesn't yes. have to mean anything. Yeah. It's just you're in joy. Yes. You're in pleasure. Yes. Now the whole world changes. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I would even challenge, geez, for women, oh my gosh, like the body shame. Oh. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Agreed. Simple practice would be like, can we eat a piece of chocolate without guilting and shaming ourselves? Can we essentially explore the pleasure of this candy melting in our mouth and actually pay attention to it instead of all the bullshit that's streaming <laughs> through our mind about fucking calories or waistlines or whatever the fuck, right? Can I sensually just enjoy this? In changing my relation to my body too, years ago, I realized like when I eat sweet things or when I, I'm not even there, I'm not even actually eating it. I'm either thinking about how I shouldn't be eating it <laughs> or I'm thinking about how it's going to affect my body or I'm thinking about, oh no, what's going to happen if I finish it and I want more? Like my brain was taking over the entire experience, the chatter. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of like pleasure is just, can you direct your brain to pay attention to the sensations that are happening below the neck? Yeah. The neck. Yeah. Or maybe below the mouth, whatever, below the nose. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good one. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. The stories that we tell. Mm -hmm. And that's with the food and the body. It's also with sexuality and sex. Yes. How shamed it is. Yeah. Especially for women. It's such a shameful thing to do. Like, what are you talking about? How yeah. is it shameful? What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. But it doesn't. I understand why it happened. <laughs> Me too. Oh, there's so much about the stories we tell too. There's always like so too much to talk about. Go ahead. Okay. There's actually like two huge topics I'd want to talk about with you, but I don't know if there's enough time. Oh, there's plenty. Or... I got time. So the first part with the stories we tell, the thing I do want to recognize is that there's this word called neuroception, which is basically our body's ability to intuitively recognize right away the level of like safety in our environment. And the thing about neuroception is it can be externally affected or internally affected. So for example, like, you know, the obvious examples, if there's a tiger coming at you, your body, you don't even have to think. It just automatically enters into a different heightened state of being that it just knows how to do. 
But the thing with insecure attachment in general is many people with insecure attachment may have grown up in an environment where there was a chronic sense of no safety. So when you get that externally, that message enough internally, you really start to feel there's no safety. There's no safety. There's no safety which is why it can be so confusing in relationships because they can be in a perfectly safe relationship. But because of trauma that hasn't been healed, internally, the cues keep being like, oh, no, not safe, not safe, not safe, not safe, not safe. And their minds are like, things are fine, but their bodies, the way their nervous systems have been wired, still don't feel safe. It's a felt sensation. It's a felt experience. It's a neuroception. It's an animalistic part of us. Then because we have these big prefrontal cortexes that make up stories and try to make meaning out of everything, we might have this internal cue. Let's say for me, I have some elements of disorganized attachment still. So let's say I'm feeling anxious because of some sort of stability in my relationship. I'm feeling this anxiety, feeling this anxiety. And then my brain wants to make a story of it. When I look around, nothing's happening. So then I'm like, I'm feeling this way because, because of my husband. <laughs> because Clearly, he's not giving me enough attention. And if he was, I wouldn't be feeling this way. And I'm making a, I make a story yeah. out of it. But I want to normalize or affirm that you are experiencing something very real. It's very real in the felt sensation. Something is happening probably on a nervous system level. But the story, the conclusion that your brain is coming to is oftentimes, very often, inaccurate. So, so much of it is how do I, on a physiological level, create a sense of safety within my body, create a sense of stability, harmony, and ease within my body. And that's where, you know, like dance, yoga, it's very hard to do that without some sort of like meditative movement practice. So that would be a big one that I would say if like, if you're constantly feeling an edge in relationships, if there's physiologically, like, you know yourself and you are like, yeah, often I feel like there's problems even when there's no real problem going on. That's a huge sign from your body of like, there's some deep physiological, somatic level healing that needs to happen because your brain's gonna keep making up stories and it's gonna be very hard to have a secure relationship when your body still believes it's not safe. Um, and that's not something generally I feel like, I mean, you gotta have a very mental health, extremely in attuned person who can help you heal all that. I generally think like that's stuff that should be done in a different container <laughs> different yeah. place so yeah. like not your partner yes <laughs> so go to therapy or something something coaching coaching that will help you get out of those really deeply wired programs that are <laughs> in your physiology now in actually <laughs> in your body this one blew my mind okay the long story short is like i'm sure people have heard of like the lizard brain the brain stem and that's focused mainly on survival it's the drive that makes us pee, poop, you know, eat, have sex, whatever, basic survival. And then there's the limbic system, which is responsible for like emotional responses and also fight, flight, freeze is in the limbic system, the amygdala. And so that is more responsible for feeling attached and connected, but also feeling threatened and in danger. And that is kind of working with different parts of our nervous system to produce different responses. And then there is the neocortex or prefrontal cortex. And that's, you know, the place that we like to think of as our mind, right? Like a lot of this is where people think their mind is. And it's uh, 
full of supposedly rational thoughts where we make up our story. (laughs) But it is the part of us that like, you know, whatever, makes a budget and makes schedules and follows through on long-term plans and stuff like that. So the rational part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, it is time space bound. So it understands linear progressions of stories. It understands what day of the year it is, what's actually happening in front of us. But what's really interesting and really cool is that in my opinion, is that the reptilian brain and the limbic system, the emotional parts of us and the survival parts of us, they don't operate on a time-space continuum. If something is imagined, it is just as felt in the processing and experience as something that's real. It doesn't know the difference. And in some ways that can be bad, right? So like if you think about watching a scary movie, of course your prefrontal cortex knows like this is fake. I know none of this is actually happening. But your body, your other parts of your brain, the limbic system, the survival parts of your brain, they have a reaction because they're operating outside of time, space, and rational thought. But the good news about all of this is that this is where a deep, 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 deep level of healing can occur for people with insecure attachment. Because ultimately, it doesn't know if you're imagining the love or if it's actually happened. Okay. And so sorry. I, <laughs> I love that. Like, yeah. And some people might have a problem with that of like, see, I'm going to lie to myself. It's not like about lying to yourself necessarily, but it's about the possibilities this holds when we realize we can go back into every single memory that we have of rejection and pain and neglect and disappointment and rewire it on a felt emotional sense through our imagination that we don't have to live with that story of being rejected anymore. Literally, this is work I've been doing with clients. This is also work I've done on myself of literally going back to moments in elementary school or middle school, or even some of my first like sexual experiences and wiring into myself. For example, like one of my first sexual experiences was fucking horrible. I was not in my worth. I didn't understand what I was doing. I was treated really badly. lots of things, right? And instead of just like allowing that, yes, that's part of my history, but I'm also very consciously rewriting a new story on an limbic system, reptilian, emotional level of going back to that memory and seeing myself standing in my worst, seeing myself say to that person, I'm not doing that. And like, you don't deserve that from me. (laughs) And I'm leaving, seeing myself doing things that fully are aligned with a feeling of like love, worth, security, and being able to change those parts of me that so believe that I'm worthless and rejected and all this stuff. As I'm like changing that on an imaginal level, then your limbic system, your reptilian brain, they start to feel like it's that felt sense of worth. Anytime your friends are like, oh my God, you're so worth it, blah, blah, blah. You're like, whatever. (laughs) It's because your limbic system, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. You haven't fully rewired it. And so it has nothing to do with this like rational thing. You kind of have to go into this timeless, spaceless place with these feelings and emotions and work with them so that like the truth becomes felt It's not a rational experience. It's a felt experience. So yeah, that's okay. Those are my spiels. Those are (laughs) awesome practices. Really, Mm -hmm. really it is. That's where transformation really happens Mm -hmm. is when you can rewire the brain like that and get into your body. You're a whole different person. 
Yes. And you realize your worth, like you were saying, you realize mm-hmm. your love. And as I mentioned earlier, you're not going to sit here and settle for anyone but your king, if that's mm-hmm. your you know, choice mm-hmm. of, or queen or yeah. whomever. It really is empowering <laughs> to use mm-hmm. a, such a cliche word. When you're going back to rewrite these memories and look mm-hmm. at them in a different way, I feel some people are concerned about, I don't know if they want to call it bypassing or they're thinking, well, it's like I'm not acknowledging what actually happened. Mm. And that's not true. You're not actually changing the past. The past stuff that happened, happened. Mm-hmm. You're literally using that as a tool mm-hmm. to empower yourself in the present moment. Yeah. So do yes. it. <laughs> like, yes. If it makes you feel better, I know you might not believe me, but you're worth it. So mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to acknowledge that, like, depending on who I'd be working with, we might need to grieve first. Yeah the original story. Grief is so important. Oh my God. And fully allow the body, the mind, the brain, the emotions, the heart to express and wail and and grieve, really grieve the loss, the losses that occurred before being ready to go back into it and create a new perception of self, of who would be doing it. But I I don't want to bypass that. I think grief is a huge part of the process. And I think the reason why personally, I've been able to go back into these things is because I, I, oh God, I spent way too long. Okay. I'm not going to say I spent way too long grieving. (laughs) No, you spent the perfect amount of time grieving. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of grief. There's Um, a lot of grief. mm -hmm. And at at some point though, you're like, okay, I I would like to experience joy. I think I have a lot of tears in my buckets and (laughs) let's, let's, um, I'd like to experience something different. And how beautiful is that? Because when you don't go through that quote unquote dark night of grief, mm-hmm. you're not going to experience the joy that you could experience mm-hmm. because you have to let that stuff out of your body first. And mm-hmm. then you can fill it in with more light, joy, love, whatever it is. Love is never not there. Love yes. is always there. Yeah. Empowerment is always there. Your worth is always there. We tend to <laughs> play with other things. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. We do. Oh, <laughs> Juniper, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Who are you? I feel like I want to talk to you more. So maybe <laughs> maybe you can come on again. But Or maybe let's look at this. With the, with the premium membership of this podcast, it would be pretty amazing to have you come in as a guest hmm. and help us work through some more personal things. So maybe we can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that. And sure. uh, in the future here, but unless you want me to talk about my ex-husband a little bit. Yeah, I would love to. I, honestly, if you want to. Sure. If you want to, I'd love to talk to you if, about anything that is coming up for you. And we did talk and I got really vulnerable. So what I mean by vulnerable is to me, not weak, not like, oh, I'm saying all these things, but I told the truth. We spoke about the dynamics of my relationship, but we really focused on my contribution and the responsibility for how it shook down. So my own responsibility. There's there's no blame. What I learned, that kind of stuff. I'm going to work on this portion to share with you next week. So in the meantime, I really want you to take a look at where you are or are not receiving and accepting love. Do you recognize it everywhere? 
Can you let it come in from someone or something that you may have been blocking it from in the past because of certain stories you've told yourself or certain rules you've made up about how you want love to come to you or from whom you will accept it? And when you're ready to face the truth (laughs) that the power of love, both giving and receiving, is in yourself but you're not sure how to find it, that's why I have the premium membership with Pleasure Coaching. That's why I have one-on-one packages for coaching, and that is why Juniper does what she does as well. You can find her information at juniperwong.com. It's also in the show notes. For me, it's boundlessheartpod.com. Again, in the show notes. Sign up for my email list because I give you my top three tools for a major shift, and you can reply anytime. I read and respond to all my emails. Well, all my emails from people like you. (laughs) Until next time, respect yourself shamelessly. Listen to my last episode, okay? It's 25. And eat the cake, drink the wine, buy the thing, have the sex, find awe and wonder in everything. Take pleasure in it all. (laughs) 